The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's a new era for the podcast today because we're on a new platform, Sports Social Podcast Network. So I'll see if I can put the adverts in properly. Hello, Uh, Sports Social. Hello. And um, the excitement is... See, we've been doing this podcast for so long. I, we don't actually introduce ourselves. We don't do anything. We just we just like come on and talk, and then it finishes. And and Phil, what a what a weekend of rugby league it's been. Uh, I mean, the first thought yesterday was a penny for Sean Long's thoughts. I know I know he got relegated at Wakefield, but um, he must be thinking, well, ah, I'll show you. I, I don't know if he'll be there next year. I don't know. It might be somewhere else, but. I think he might hold them, but out of the frying pan and into the fire. Um, I, I think it's not not what rugby league looks like where we are now. It's what it could be looking like if we do that. Well, hopefully, when we do this podcast next Monday, um, because there is an opportunity for the sport going into the new grading era Um to, to have the perception on the outside as being a little bit different. You know, it's possible that Catalan could win the grand final and it did make huge shockwaves when they won the Challenge Cup. You know, what we forget too readily is that the, the opportunity to play at the Camp Nou in Barcelona in front of a competition record crowd came on the back of winning the Challenge Cup. It wasn't that we perceived it to be, um, you know, a, a major um historical event for the sport. It was the fact that people that don't normally look at the sport said, oh, there must be something in this. Um, you know, if they've won this big, shiny, prestigious, historic silver trophy, then we need to perhaps get them in our backyard. Um, so th- there's that potential there. I, I gather from speaking to somebody in the south of France uh, this morning that um, anything up to five planes have already been chartered and it, it will be a bigger presence than it was uh, a couple of years ago, which, um, again, is to the credit of the French fans, because if, if we were being asked to fly to Barcelona at six days' notice to cover a grand final, I genuinely don't know how many how many of us would be going in the opposite direction. Uh, and they're promising to make a lot of noise and colour. And I, I think last time they came, we interviewed them by the um, the statue outside the ground, and they were just making a huge amount of noise at sort of three o'clock, um, three hours before kick-off, and... Uh, we're just there to really enjoy the occasion and, and celebrate Catalonia. So I think that, on the one hand, is really interesting, which is not to 
in any way uh, disrespect the the likelihood of Wigan going into that as favourites. Um, but there could be a fifth name on the cup, and we've been talking about it for for sort of long enough. And 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 that may well have happened by this time next week. The other thing, of course, is Toulouse will have played London by then. We'll know who is replacing Wakefield in Super League as we move into the grading era. And you would think that both of those clubs, without the prospect of instant relegation, um, which happened to Toulouse uh, last season, and obviously um, London never been fully resourced when they've been in, in Super League, that may change because if you do have investors that are interested and I think we already know again that the other, the other you know stories coming out of the south of France is Toulouse are going to be heavily financed uh, if they manage to go up by a new consortium of people. Um, if it's not solely about what happens on the field, then there's more chance of businesses coming in and, and backing them. So, again, to the outside, you know, having a team that is not in the traditional M62 area offers up some from some marketing responsibility, you know, to opportunities. And I, I went back to what IMG said when we were first introduced to them, which seems like a long time ago. Was not a lot has happened since. And one of the priorities they listed in that press conference in Manchester when they were introduced and put their proposals to the outside world was how they were going to make London a priority. They, they mentioned the women's game, which we'll no doubt come on to in a minute, uh, and that seems to be growing. And I don't, I don't think it's going in anything other than one direction. But, but London was mentioned without any detail as to how they would make London a major contributor to Super League if they needed to be in it. That was the main thing. And this time next week, they could be. Well, exciting. I, saw, I just saw your tweet you sent earlier about Toulouse existing since 1937. Not a lot happened in, in, in French rugby league around that time, I don't think. Uh, and and London since 1980. I was also established in 1980. So am I some kind of uh, newcomer to rugby league? Am I, am, should I be cast asunder? Is that how Absolutely. it works? Yeah, you should be called an expansionist in the uh, the world of, of broadcasting. Yes, absolutely. A young pup. Now, I, I think the point I was making was that we, we, we have this perennial debate amongst ourselves. We divide ourselves with whether we're supposedly traditionalists or expansionists. And actually, at the same time, we talk about the family of rugby league. Well, Toulouse have been in the family of rugby league ever since rugby league was founded in France. You know, I think the, the, the first games were played in 1934 and in 1937 Toulouse were founded and but for the interventions of the Second World War which we've spoken about before on many an occasion you know that could be the preeminent pre pre sport in that part of, of France so um, you know they're, they've as much right to be deemed traditionalists as, as, as any club um, and London it, it's only this current um, incarnation that have been continuous for for you know, 40, 43 years. But rugby league has been played in London in other guises almost since Northern Union was invented. So again, you know, I, th I think we become geographically specific if we keep, you know, having this divide and, and debate. And and I just don't think it gets us anywhere. If you if you want to if you want to be a fan of a a team that is is in a a more traditional area, that's fine. If you want to be a fan of a team that's been around for almost as long but isn't from that particular area, that's equally fine. But don't beat ourselves up about it. The, the direction of travel in the sport is interesting. If you go onto the BBC website today, I'm sure many people do as I do, and, and that's their primary source for sports news. Uh, and you click on the rugby league section, the top three stories are blokes, science for castle. We're not interested in that. 
Second story, York win the Women's Super League. Third story, Wigan beat London in the wheelchair Super League semi-finals. There's nothing about Featherstone losing to Toulouse on there. Uh, why that is, I don't know. But if that doesn't explain to people the way things are going in how sport is reported and what is reported in sport. Well, I don't know why I'm saying this, because people who listen to this podcast already know the way things are going, because we follow it as well. But it's interesting to see now what happens to Featherstone, because they have obviously gambled on this season. They haven't got the, a, a lee up against them or whoever. They were the dominant team throughout the season. They spent money to be that. But when it came to the final game, and this is under successive coaches now and different players, I mean, we'll go back to York in a bit, but they can't win the big games to get them into Super League. And as much as people want to say, well, IMG are pulling up the drawbridge or whatever. Well, hang on, this is four or five years now, not quite four or five years, but they've had chances over the last few years to get into Super League on their own steam and haven't managed to do it. This was their best chance, I think, because um, now to finish 12 points clear, they were the Lee or the Toronto this time around. This was their opportunity. And whilst they, um, w- it would have been interesting to see them play Toulouse, who have stayed full time as well and finished second. Um, the fact that they've gone out to an ostensibly part time team in London, who admittedly recruited heavily and in quality fashion when the French season finished. Um, you know, we're looking at a team that finished fifth, and you all know that teams that finish fifth can't possibly win grand finals. It never happens. Um, but what what what's interesting, and I think there is a parallel a little bit here with Warrington, is that it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, this weight of expectation that the club puts on themselves, that, that you know, there's going to be one game, it's going to be a knockout game, it's going to be at home, and however many people are there, um, clearly the vast majority are there to see Featherstone effectively get anointed. So when that doesn't happen or when, you know, at half time they're behind, there's a huge amount of pressure and it doesn't really matter who the coach is or who the players are. It's how do you deal with something like that? And I, I remember um, Brian, Brian Noble talking about this a lot when he was at Toronto, that it's fine going through a season beating anyone and everyone by virtually any amount you'd like to on any given day. It really doesn't prepare you for the games that actually matter. So what have Featherstone lost this year? They they lost a cup tie at home to Halifax. They've now lost um, a playoff game at home to London. Um, and I think it's you know you've you've got to be able to handle that pressure. And for whatever reason, it might be historical now after three or four attempts, they can't. Um, on paper, I think they still had a better team than London. Um, London had a couple of superstars, one of whom in Corey Norman. I was listening to the commentary. Um, sounded like he absolutely ran the show. Uh, we know Dean Farray's quality. We we spoke about that over the last couple of weeks that this might be a a potential banana skin for for Featherstone because London had nothing to lose. Um, but there's something about uh, you know why why did Featherstone dispense with the services of Sean Long? partway through the season. I think because they could foresee exactly this happening down the line, that something wasn't quite right within that dynamic of coach, owner, players. And they thought we need to resolve this now because when we get to that game, we've got to win. We might not win. So they changed it, got to the game that they needed to win and still didn't win. That That's an issue that I don't think is around James Ford. I don't think it's necessarily around the players. I think there is... That there's something in that dynamic that the pressure that is put on them to to win um, those games, it, it, 
it's very, very hard for um, the club as a whole to come to terms with what they need to do. I, I, I suspect, and again, um, this may well be speaking out of turn or it may well possibly be that events will supersede us when this podcast actually hits the light of day. But I think they they have been borrowing for a little while against getting into Super League and enhanced corporate sponsorship, enhanced money from uh, the centre of the sport, uh, more money from, from television, because obviously clearly some of their games would have been uh, on Sky. And, and I think that some of the, the players that they bought, not just this year, but perhaps over the past two years, some of the, the debt that they've accumulated has been on the promise of getting into Super League. And again, that creates the most enormous pressure. Um, and it, it, as, an, and as, a, as just as a bystander, it will be interesting to see how that goes. I have a feeling that if they go part-time on the back of this, then um, their challenge for Super League in the foreseeable future under a grading system may well end. Well, he took the, the floodlights, which everyone says at every point, but just to uh, wind up fans and fans. Uh, and, and interesting to see how other clubs in that division took it because, or on social media, uh, because we saw Featherstone throughout the year and and have done this for years, wind up other teams and Sheffield. I think the first to stick the boot in last night. I think if you if you uh, if you give it, you've got to take it. And and <laughs> they're getting their medicine this morning. But I also think that's part of the problem that if you set yourself up for a fall, when you do, it's from further up and and harder. Um, and I, I I believe Dan Fowler does the the Sheffield feed. If it is him, I have nothing but admiration for what he puts out during a game. I think it's hilarious. It it gets just the right tone. It's 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 humorous and serious at the same time. It gives you the information you need, but it also gives you a laugh. And and if he's been behind that, then you know. As I say, Featherstone will get what they deserve because they set themselves up to, you know, to be in Super League and they they haven't achieved it. In fact, they haven't got to the final hurdle. When Steve Mascord listens to this, which no doubt he will later, that's the the line he's going to pick out. Featherstone will get what they deserve, says Phil Kaplan, editor of Forty Twenty Magazine. Like he like he picked out me last week, saying uh, London were going to be the spoilers as they were. They they killed off Toronto. Yeah, I said last week, and turned out to be right. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes. Um, so it's Toronto at Toronto. <laughs> Toronto beat Jamaica. It's Toulouse uh, versus London. Sunday afternoon, two o'clock um, on Via Play, uh, followed by the wheelchair grand final in Manchester. 5.30 kickoff between Wigan and Leeds. Two powerhouse names, everyone knows. Uh, London 34-43 the score to Wigan, wasn't it, last uh, yeah. last afternoon? We we're trying to trying to follow it at the same time as the the games in York, which was a, an interesting afternoon. But um congratulations to Wigan, who will look to uh, regain their trophy they won a couple of years ago now. And Leeds, of course, wanting to win a grand final, which they got so close to last year against Halifax in that uh, cracking game. So hopefully people will tune into that and watch it. And I do wonder how much that extra week of rest will aid Leeds in that. And I think I think it's a big advantage, regardless of the fact that they obviously finished top on the table. I think that's a huge advantage as well. Yeah, I, th- I think, um, again, it's going to be about individual performers in, in a team game. I think if Tom Halliwell plays as well as he did in the first half against Halifax in the semi-final, then he's going to be key for Leeds. Josh Butler, uh, who's up for an award t- tomorrow night, is uh, is in fine form. But you just can't write off Declan Roberts, you know, leading point scorer 
every year uh, that he's played. And um, again, a big game player. And, and, you know, if we want to relate it back to, to, to Featherston not making the the big dance, as I think we're obliged to to call grand finals these days, then um, your big players perform on the big stage. We haven't talked about him yet, but clutch play, Sam Tompkins, you know, big players perform on the big stage. So I think um, I think Declan Roberts will have a big say in that. But yeah, Leeds will probably start as, as favourites, having made the Challenge Cup final and finished league leaders. But uh, it should be another fantastic wheelchair event at the National Basketball Centre. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Big cheese. That's what it's called now. Thanks to Emma Kershaw last week. The big cheese. And it, we, we will bring you on the podcast version of this program uh, reaction from yesterday at uh, York. Uh, you mentioned individuals, and you mentioned Sam Tompkins. Uh, he's not nominated for the Steve Prescott Man of Steel Award. You'll be there to see who wins. I can't believe Tom Johnson's 28. <laughs> Is that his age or the number of tries he scored? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking on the BBC for the for the names. Bevan French, 27. Tom Johnston, 28. Jack Wellsby, 22. Who, who's going to win? Who's going to win the... Uh, if, if you bothered, I mean, it doesn't matter. Uh, I, w- I would say that uh, it would be between French and Wellsby. Uh, Half the lo- wingers to wing, isn't it? Isn't. Well, yeah. absolutely loads of admiration for the way Tom Johnson has reinvented himself, particularly when he left Wakefield. There was a huge question mark over would he even be able to continue playing rugby league at the top level because of um, the leg injuries that he'd had compounded with a concussion issue. So, fantastic that he is even in consideration but as a winger you do rely very very heavily on the people in front of you 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 know to there are some great finishers um who can make chances out of nothing but most of them they do come off the back of the hard work of others and um and johnson's made a lot of meters as well out of out of the backfield which again wiggins are uh, are obliged to do these days but i do think you know well the stat when saint season finished on Friday was well as has been involved in a third of the points that they've scored this season um, in terms of tries, which is absolutely ridiculous. Has either scored them or there's been an assist from him. Uh, French probably not not quite as many as that, but then he's got Jai Field alongside him. Either of those two, um, I think, would be worthy 
purely from um, what would be best for the British game. A young 22-year-old who's been the young player of the year to then be elevated to the player of the year. Um, I, I think that would be fantastic. And uh, Wellesby is one of those really exciting talents. I think that we can we can build a national team around over the next few years. Uh, taking over from Sam Tompkins at the back, um, who who again gets his fairy tale ending. <laughs> he created himself. Uh, what what a uh, kind of what a game is not the phrase because it, it wasn't the greatest or more uh, most exciting of games of rugby league we've ever seen, especially not the first half when it was two 0 to Catalans. But uh, a, a proper, I'm, I'm trying to go through all the cliches: arm wrestle, attrition, all this, that, and the other. But in the end, won by as you say, a, a piece of individual genius, magic, whatever you want to say, from Sam Tompkins. Uh, and Catalan's back in the grand final. Yeah, I think again a lot of the mistakes, and that, and there were a lot of them, were down to the ferocity of the defence, the intensity around all of that for virtually the entire eighty minutes was was absolutely laudable. I thought the the atmosphere coming over the television was was amazing. Um, clearly, we saw all the pictures when the teams arrived of the Catalan fans with their flares and fireworks. And there may be a bit of an implication of them going on the field at the end as well. But um, you never felt, even watching through the screen, that it was anything less than a really big occasion. Uh, 11,500, I think, officially the attendance, biggest there's ever been. There's a big screen going up in the centre of Perpignan to show the grand final live to those who can't get there. You, you, you can imagine if you've ever been there, um, should they win and on, uh, you know, the party in Perpignan will be huge. You know, the, they they do love and know how to party. It will go on for a very long time. Uh, copious amounts will be drunk in the bars in and around the, the Castellet. Um, but I just think they, both teams that have won through to the grand final knew what it was like to lose in the semi-final last year and harnessed that feeling. Um, and and I think the the grit and determination of the dragons to see it out, um, the simbining towards the end, I think was just the final straw for St Helens. You know they they needed they haven't had as many big men this year because of injuries, so they needed to keep them on for as long as they could. And you know Matty Lee's going off late in the game. I think that that was just the final straw for them. And and I just wanted to to praise the dignity of the Saints um, players and staff. Um, I, I know, I know um, it must be incredibly hard when you've gone for, what is it, 1,150 <laughs> days as champions. It has to end sometimes. But to have the, the presence of mind when all around you is mayhem um, as a coach and particularly James Roby in, in the speeches that they gave at the end of that game, um, I, I thought was a credit to the club, an indication why the, the core of their culture has been so strong over the last few years. Um, and, and I thought, you know, that they've had a fantastic season. I, I know that there are some St. Helens fans that still think Paul Wellens is on probation, but he won them the World Club Challenge. But for points difference, they, they finished joint top of the league. They got to within what was it, a minute and a half, probably less, uh, a minute of, of you know, going to Golden Point to decide who was going to a grand final. They bought through some young players this year because they have had a few injuries that perhaps, you know, are, are giving us a glimpse of their next generation. I thought George Delaney, again, was fabulous when he came on. Um, so, uh, you know, full credit to St. Helens and the, the dynasty that's ended um, but you know, the, the interesting thing about the grand final is looking at Wigan's recruitment for 
next year. You would say that on paper at the moment, and we don't know who they will be releasing. There'll, there'll clearly be two or three players that will will go. Um, they will be stronger next year. So if they were to win this grand final, is it the start of the next Wigan dynasty? You look at Catalan, who, you know, have finished, what was it, four four years out of four now in the top four, uh, got to a grand final, won a league leader shield, won the Challenge Cup. Um, again, there will be a change of personnel this year, but if they win that grand final, do they become now a Super League dynasty? It, it's fascinating that uh, that those two teams are there. And, and I think if we look at the other semi-final, which was the complete opposite, in terms of it wasn't gripping from start to finish. That was an indication, again, that we should praise what Hulk KR have done this year, but getting to a Challenge Cup final, playing every single week of the season, because you've been successful, does take it out of you. Lee found it the week before against Hulk KR. Hulk KR found it this week against Wigan. Uh, unless you have the biggest squad, uh, which is impossible to keep happy, then um, if you are going to get to the Challenge Cup final and you're going to get to within one game of a grand final, uh, your team is going to be absolutely on its knees by the end of the season. And it just proved to be one game too far. What will be interesting will be to see what happens behind the scenes. I think Reese Lovegrove is being announced as coming into the backroom staff uh, at Hull KR. They've announced a new director of rugby who's coming from South Sydney. It would appear on the grapevine, I don't know if it's going to be announced at any any point soon, that Danny Maguire probably won't be with them next year. Um, to clubs that are out there, pick him up. He's the next uh, England head coach. Um, so, yeah, there'll, there'll be a bit more change at Hull KR, but they are, are another club that are clearly moving in the right direction. Yeah, there's not really much to say about that game, is it? It, it went the way you would have expected it to do with Wigan blitzing them early and then just easing to victory in the end. And, and it'd be a fascinating grand final on Saturday because you've got Wigan who've been there and won, of course, plenty of times. Catalans who've only had the one taste there, but obviously have won at Wembley as well. So they know what how to win in big finals. Steve McNamara, who was... Well, I, I guess when he was announced as the England coach in the first place, everyone thought, what's going on here? He was at Bradford and didn't do anything. And then when he, when he was replaced as England coach, he said, oh, that's a bit harsh on poor Steve and built his reputation in the south of France. And no one no one really talks. And this, I guess this is a... Because they're so far away, we don't talk about them, do they? they, they they're hidden in the south of France. We don't really talk about Steve McNamara in terms of, well, surely he should be... Oh, can't really say the next England head coach. He's been there and done that. But in terms of other jobs in Super League or, or back to the NRL, well, of course, he's been an assistant before. Or or even nominated as coach of the year. I think the um, the, the other thing he's done is he's quietly and effectively changed the culture. So if you talk to people that have followed the, the, the team, they've always had some big personalities. They've always had the ability to win the odd game, but they've never had a winning culture. Um, they have had, to, by their own admission, some, and it's it's obvious, you only need to look at the, the playing roster, some overseas players who've been there for the beach at Cannae rather than the, um, you, know, you know, going to Lee on a wet Wednesday, well, Friday night, um, uh, and, and didn't like the, the, the journeying to and from England every other week. But when Steve McNamara arrived, the one thing he said he would do was he would stiffen them up mentally. Um, and I think the... The recruitment he's done has been around that, you know, poignant quote from Sam Tompkins at the end of the game. You know, he he, he joined in 2018 um, and Steve McNamara and he sat down and said, well, we, you know, we want to bring the, 
the grand final to to the south of France. That that's our aim and objective, and they get the opportunity to do that in his last game. Um, but I think that that winning mentality is what he's brought in. Um, a lot of players who are prepared to roll their sleeves up and and do what I think the Aussies call the hard yakka. Um, not the flamboyant, flashy stuff that comes on the back of, you know, in in the preseason when it's tough and your lungs are bursting and they go up into the uh, the Pyrenees in the in the cold and um, you know do all the mountain trekking and and all that kind of thing. That's when teams are put together that win competitions. And Steve McNamara has done that. There's the huge um, added value in terms of narrative around who's leaving. Uh, both teams have got a lot of players leaving uh, who will want to go out for, for you know, on on the winning note if they can. Notably, it will be Tomkins. He'll he'll be the headline, uh, as indeed probably will Mitchell Pierce. But yeah, you know, you look at Adam Kieran. That's a story now that his last game for Catalan will be uh, trying to defeat the team he's joining next year. So yeah, it, it's going to be great. And and you know, again, we can get obsessed as a sport if we want about the crowd figure. Uh, I noticed as soon as the the hooter went in in Perpignan on Friday night, certain people were already tweeting about, oh, the RFL will be uh, you know imploding at the idea of Catholic. You know, let, let's embrace the fact that um, let, let's say this was another sport that played with an oval ball, and in their Premiership there was let's say an Irish team, and that Irish team had got to whatever their equivalent of the grand final is, you know, we wouldn't be saying they're not welcome at Twickenham. We'd be saying this enriches and enhance the cosmopolitan nature of the competition um, and the eyes on the tournament. So I don't really care how many people are there on Saturday night. I don't care whether it's a record low or a record high for a team involved, you know, for a game involving Catalan. What I think is we'll get a fabulous game with loads of, storylines and because it's an international football weekend hopefully we should hog the headlines and you know I, I think we've got some players on both sides the, the, you know Jai Field Bevan French in a grand final on that you know that, that Old Trafford turf that they, they could do anything uh, Kai Pierce Paul in his last game his ability to get the ball away um, in the tackle it could be the defining moment of the of the final um, you know the industry of people like Matt Whitley will be in his last game for the Dragons before apparently joining St Helens it, the, there's so many subplots that we should be relishing this and not looking at the ticket sales as we said before regardless the, the grand final should be pretty much sold out months in advance it, it should be a major event to not just rugby league people, but to people who like events, which I believe still exist because they still pay hundreds of pounds to go see concerts or whatever. So mm. we just have to work out a way of still selling the grand final, but we still haven't done that. And that's a failure of marketing and management rather than the teams involved. You can't <laughs> blame Catalan for winning rugby league games. It's uh, it's one of, one of the things on that that I do think is right is that if we have an absolutely fantastic grand final where neutrals are sitting at home thinking, I really need to be there next year and we're going to have it at a time when there's an international football break, Wigan and Catalan's job on Saturday is to sell that sport to a wider audience. And they can. There's not even darts on this year. Usually the darts is on at the same time, but the darts finished yesterday. and Michael Smith wasn't in it, but it was funny on... Friday, because I turned over at half time in the Catalyst game, and, and he just finished his darts match. I can't remember who he was playing, and he'd won. And he was like, Well, it's great now because I can go watch the second half of St. Helens. But obviously, 
probably would have preferred not to watch the second. Maybe that's why he lost in the semi-finals to former South Wales Scorpion Gerwin Price, who didn't win the darts, and people get annoyed when I talk about the darts anyway. Has there been any news, Phil? Have I, have I forgotten anything that's gone on in the last seven days? Um, only royalty turning up to a rugby league occasion. That happened. Um, with the, the most important thing being that had Sean Wayne held a training camp uh, for the men's running game, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't have been inundated with messages from Kensington Palace saying, can we come and join it? But an inclusivity day in Hull. Um, not only genuine passionate interest of uh, the Princess of Wales, who is the patron of the sport, whether we like it or not, we have royal patronage. And it's. I think you measure uh, its value by the uh, amount of coverage that you get. And clearly there were some absolutely photogenic moments, not least when she kicked a conversion in her first attempt at wheelchair rugby league, um, but also being tickled from behind by one of the whole LDRL players. You know, if you, if you look at the the media that generated, we don't get on the front page of the Daily Mail or the, the Times. Uh, we, we don't get in Harper's Bazaar or Hello Magazine, but we did. Um, you know, even to the, to the fact that the stroke of genius was that she agreed to wear apparel promoting the Rugby Football League. Um, you know, her, she was wearing a tracksuit and a polo top that had the logo clearly visible on every photo that, uh, that the, the mainstream media took, which meant that you couldn't confuse it with Rugby Union because it clearly says the words Rugby League. Uh, but also then, you know, from what I can gather, having had a little insight into the visit, um, she is followed by fashionistas as much as people that are interested in the causes to which she's going so they they love to see what she's wearing um and how her you know how her, how her hair looks and all that kind of thing so as soon as you send out anything that has her in those kind of clothes um the people you are reaching whether whether you never reach them again is inordinately large. So it had a massive effect talking to some of the people that she'd spoken to after she'd been around, you know, there wasn't unprecedented access on the visit. Um, you know, they were all absolutely knocked out that she just joined in in a way that she did. So she did passing drills and, uh, you know, she, she did, um, score a try in the corner. She did. She was genuinely interested in their stories as LDRL, PDRL and wheelchair players and also um, talked to the, the, the centre of excellence that, uh, that Hull have got with the university. So it ticked so many boxes, but would not have happened for the sport if it hadn't had that element of wheelchair and women within wheelchair and also um, PDRL and LDRL. And, and again, some of the, we banged on a lot about right from the very beginning when we, we saw the value of, of these variants. Um, this is the future of the sport. Uh, this is what's going to sell it to a wider audience. This is one what is going to get new commercial and corporate involvement. And um, I say that, that there's always a, a hesitancy amongst some rugby league fans that, you know, what do the Royals ever do for us? Well, yeah, it, it's a debate worth having, but on this particular occasion, um, wonderful, wonderful coverage and a great visit. I assume Oxen are still knocking up some kind of Princess of Wales special kit because they've not released it yet and, and they sent me an email about it. I mean, they, they should, those tracksuits should be flying off the shelves of the, the internet because they don't have shops. I reckon they will be. And and I think they were they shamelessly tweeted that she was wearing an Oxen tracksuit and why wouldn't you? I, uh, I, I would have loved to have got her with uh, reading a copy of 4020 and put by royal patronage, but it doesn't quite work like that. 
Now, we did that with uh, Sean O'Loughlin once, and, you know, that works, but that's because you ambushed him. I don't think you can ambush the members of the royal family, unless, unless you, you know. But, However, it's better to have, uh, whatever you think about the royals, it's better to have royals than uh, politicians who haven't got a clue what they're saying. You know, saying it, it's not as if uh, uh, the, the Princess of Wales kicked the conversion and went, it's just like when Johnny Wilkinson did it in Tino's. Well, where's she these days? Where's one? Uh, wheelchair grand final Sunday, men's grand final on Saturday. There is no other news. Nothing. People are signing for the clubs, but no, there's no major signings that have happened that you think, oh, oh apart from, apart from, of course, Leeds have, have signed a whole stadium sponsor. I mean, that's the most exciting announcement that people made up in their minds to be something completely different. And well, done. Yeah. We, we praise Sheffield social media. Well done to whoever at Leeds was halfway through spelling Brodie Croft and then broke it. So well, well done to them. Well, let's let's see on that one. I think there is a a grain of truth in the fact that they would like to try and bring him on board. But for the moment, he's still a Salford Red Devil. Um, yesterday in York, it was the women's grand final plus promotion final, which we'll talk about first. But uh, record crowd few more hundred than last year probably helped by the two teams involved being on this side of the Pennines and York playing at home which I think worked the, the direction of travel is obviously I need to find a new phrase is I think we're going towards a double-headed grand final aren't we because everyone seems to be the, the more people talk about it the more it has to happen because you can't deny it happening now whether that's a good thing or a bad thing is up to people I, I, I'm still of the opinion that the maturity in terms of supporters following it in the women's game is not there to have a standalone grand final, standalone challenge cup final, if you can not tack it on to the men's event, but it makes it more prestigious because we saw what it meant to the Saints and Leeds players playing and indeed losing at Wembley and how important that was. Mm. And while Old Trafford is not quite the same, it would still have that because it's with the men's grand final, it's on the, the level playing field, if you will. I think you spoke about it on the way to your yesterday. You know, how do you make the grand final more of an event um, so that more people will book their tickets in advance and you're guaranteed a higher crowd? Well, the, the way you do that is, you you know, you put the women's game on beforehand. It, it works in the NRL. Um, it worked in the World Cup at that very same venue. I think we do know, if we're being brutally honest, that probably for the next couple of years at least, the women's grand finalists are going to come probably from four teams. Um, it's interesting to see that Barrow Lee game because it gave us a an indication of you know the, the team that will be ranked eighth going into that that Super League. I still think there's scope for a London or a Cardiff to be in there, but what we probably can say, I think, is because of the talent um, and the way it's distributed, it will be Leeds, York, St Helens, and Wigan over the next at least couple of years. Um, who will be contesting that grand final? Well, all all of those teams have, um, you know, lots of followers that will just um, support the women's game, irrespective of how their men are playing. You add that, uh, you know, add another four and a half thousand people that were there yesterday into the uh, the crowd that we're going to get at Old Trafford on Saturday, and you're already nudging over fifty thousand. So it makes sense to do it. Makes it a bigger day, uh, easy for Sky um, because clearly, you know, they can set their their cameras up in in one place. If it's an international weekend, it's not going to clash with anything else they might have on in the afternoon. So they can devote, um, you know, five or six hours to rugby league. That would be great for rugby league. You know, that, that would be fantastic. The, there were some brilliant stories told in the, the women's game um, 
after, you know, in, in the lead up to it and in the aftermath of it. Um, we have now had what's four 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 winners in five years of the the women's grand final. Fantastic. We've had four men's winners in 27 years. So some until, you know, it's as you say, it's moving all the right way. Uh, put it together. I think, that, you know, the, the sum of the parts is, is enhances the whole. Barrow beating Lee in the, the first game, the Betfred Women's Super League Group 2 promotion final, snappy title. Um, and and, and it, it, it's unfair to compare the two games because you've got the two of the three best teams in the women's sport in this country compared to two of the top three in the second tier, which is also the Super League because of reasons. Uh, and you and you can see the the game wasn't of the same quality or or whatever, but that's not to take anything away from those two teams. Barrow, I think, the better team on the day deserve deserved the victory in the end against Lee, and 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 it's you know we talk about ex, not expansion in a sense, but now we've got a Cumbrian team in the top division, and and they are the team that represents Cumbria. They they're full of Cumbrian talent, and they don't have to go to go south to, to Wigan or St. or St. Helens or wherever to play their rugby league in the top flight because the women of Cumbria can now play for Barrow Raiders in the top division and be on the telly and everything. Even though it's in Lancashire. But let's Even not... Um, I, I think the two things struck me. The first, which is completely trite, and that is great to see Barrow's traditional kit. Um, I think that will enhance Super League. Uh, you know, it, it's just a... The number of times that I've been to men's games in in the past and seen that you know blue with a white V, it's it, it's 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 a very redolent kick kit and and look fantastic. I, I think they made a decision to go out there and physically intimidate Lee in in the early stages of the game to 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 literally and metaphorically put their mark on the game and they did. They gave away a couple of high tackles early on. They pushed that line probably further than it needed to be, but. Um, I, I think they did get under the skin of Lee a little bit, um, and they, they they were not going to be pushed around. And although Lee went ahead, there was there was always some some resilience in this Barrow team that you thought give them give them a sniff at the end. If they're the fitter team going into the closer stages, they'll probably win it. And it had all the hallmarks of an Amanda Wilkinson team. And a, and I don't think we should um, underestimate the role that she's played. Because obviously she won the the grand final with Wigan in in the early years. Um, she her coaching record is fantastic, um, and I think that she's built this squad of, as you say, young Cumbrian players that really want to play for her and the shirt. and And that was a difference in the end. Um, the, a lot of support there for Lee. Um, I, clearly, Derek Beaumont has added this wing to to you know the Lee bandwagon and and I think it will bear fruit um undoubtedly that you know don't think it will do them any harm whatsoever that they'll be competing in tier two next year. I, I think they'll they'll have learnt from being in that final and what that um that women's team can bring them to bolster what the men are doing. Uh, but but that was Barrow's afternoon and, and I actually I, I loved watching it. It it, it was a, a really great great game and and almost a bit of an old fashioned throwback in a way. It it, it was about determination and heart as much as it was skill. There is uh, one of the amusing criticisms, oh, I don't know what women's rugby, is that um, it is what people say the game is not today, <laughs> which is everything is an imaginized, rose-tinted view of what rugby league was. But it is it is different to the men's game because the players are built differently because of many and various reasons, not, not less biology for one, but uh, as well as, 
the level of strength and conditioning. There isn't, there isn't a wrestling on the floor, is there, necessarily? Um, and, and please don't bring wrestle coaches into to women. I know Huddersfield are bringing, I've got all these professional coaches. Don't don't bring wrestle coaches in. Don't do that. Because it's, 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 it's pure at the minute. There's, there's not much cheating. Apart from someone got kicked in the head, went on the floor, which I thought was quite... Well, when stood up, rather, which was quite impressive. But... Uh, I also thought that um, when you talk about the ferocity of challenge and that rugby league is in essence a contact sport and physicality and a lot of people are saying, oh, it's not what it was because you can't do this, that and the other anymore. There were some absolutely fierce challenges in both of the women's game. I mean, there's, there's a shot going viral at the moment of Rihanna and Marshall hitting Ruby Enright. But the other thing about it is Ruby Enright just gets up and plays the ball. It, it, it is... Um, what it's refreshing. Um, it's not a throwback. It's the way they play the game, but there, there isn't everything that's associated with professionalism. Um, there is a genuine still love and desire to just be the best you can be in the circumstances that you play. And um, I thought the whole, what, how, how long were we there? Five hours. It was just fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I, and the right team won both finals. Yeah, so congratulations, Barrow. They they have the unenviable task of of trying to compete with the likes of St Helens and Wigan uh, and Leeds and York and Leeds who've been in every grand final since they existed. And some would say they were in the one before because many of their players came from Bradford. Um, and York in their second grand final finally won the big game. And and as Tower Jane Stanley pointed out afterwards, which you'll hear later if you listen to the podcast, if you watch on YouTube, you'll have to see it anyway. What we can't we can't accuse them now of losing big games because they've actually gone and not just won a big game, but dominated a big game. I think I I, I don't think it'd be fair to say that any other description of the game. I know the the scoreline is narrowed at the end, but York dominated that game pretty much from the majority of it. I think the try just before half time by Tara Jane Stanley gave them the belief that they could that margin of eight they could they could defend. I think Leeds had their best spell in the first ten minutes of the second half, but the York defence, uh, apart from one one line break by Kaya Glynn, was um, near impregnable. Um, so yeah, I, I think the other thing is is talking to Lindsay Anfield afterwards that. She acknowledged the fact that in the past, when they've been in big games, they've got some very talented players who just wanted to show what they could do on a solo basis. This was the first time they've stuck to the the plan. They, they, they've understood what, uh, what it means to grind out a win when you have to. They've done it together rather than try to solve it themselves. And the result of that is we've learned the hard way that's the formula to win a grand final. And you can be as flamboyant as you like in the league structure. You can score a thousand points if you want, but unless you know how to really put your body on the line for each other in a final, you're going to fall at the final hurdle. Leeds have been pretty good at that um, in the run-up to now. York were better at it yesterday. And, and and what it also exposed, and again, it's not aimed at any particular player that's playing in the Leeds team at the moment, is if you lose the bulk of your spine, um, through either moving to the NRL or retirement, it's going to take a little bit of a time for you to get those match-winning players in those positions. So, you know, Fran Goldthorpe goes, Ruby Enright is, what, uh, 18? You know, uh, uh, Courtney Winfield, Hill retires, Georgia Roach wins an NRL, Caitlin Case is 18. Uh, you know, Georgina Hale comes over to help lessen the blow of 
Courtney Winfield Hill retiring, go straight back to the NRL. Um, you know, that I, I think Leeds have had a fantastic season to get to the two major finals. I just think it reflects fantastically on the women's game that York now have the silverware that they deserve for the dominance they've shown over the last two years. And uh, it, it was a fabulous occasion. I, I thought both sets of fans bought something fantastic to the atmosphere. It was as vibrant as as any domestic women's game I think we've ever been at, and we've been at, at all of them. Um, I think the facility is fantastic, and we, we've said that enough that, uh, you know, York's ground is a template for a lot of others. And when you've got, you know, it was it was half full yesterday, just over half full of it, its capacity. It felt, felt full. I mean, clearly you, you didn't need spectators down the side that the cameras were. Um, so the ends were fantastic. The, the main stand was all but sold out. If you go in there for... For hospitality, you, you've got a fabulous facility there, which we were told the food was quite nice as well. They even had pick and mix, would you believe? Um, so it, it ticked every box for me, um, and 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 I loved it, and and I, I I was so pleased for Lindsay because I know that she's taken a lot of stick about the manner in which she originally built the the York team. They've been a nearly team, and 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 we know we, we talked about it with Featherstone that that brings its own pressure. Um, but her team played near faultless rugby and, and and absolutely deserved it. And Lacey Owens' try, um, which, which came off a Leeds mistake, forced by the weight of pressure that York kept putting on them, um, beautifully constructed, deserved to win a grand final. Three players who would be odd to pick out, but I, th- I think you, you gave Kyrie Roberts the player of the match, didn't you, in the paper? Um, and Amy Stavely for two. Their experience in actually being as part of winning teams I don't think you can put a prize on that, and that must have been important to York as well. But uh, one of the players on the bench, Daisy Sanderson, who has been there since 2017. Uh, you, again, you can see the interview on YouTube. I've not uploaded as I speak, but it will be there when you hear this. She's been there when they weren't very good, when they were losing lots of games, when they were fighting at the bottom with Wakefield. So to see what it meant to her, who's been through the bad times to go on and win a grand final for her hometown club. Yeah. Those are the moments that this is why when we go to finals and you speak to people after the games, sometimes you have to speak to the the runners up and and that's not a pleasant experience because what can you ask? You you don't want to rub salt into the wounds. And that's why Hulk out were very smart at at Wembley and putting Ryan Hall up because he's been there and done it. And it's, it's not going to be, it's not going to be emotionally, um, terrible experience from because he's a professional. Uh, but when you speak to the players on the winning side, and the interview with Emma Kershaw is ridiculous because you won't learn anything. She's just absolutely deliriously happy because she's won a grand final. You know, it's it's those moments where you think, this is why we're involved because we're, we're trying to help tell the stories of people who are, su- are having success. We're, we're living, I always say, we're living my rugby league career vicariously through the people we report on because I was never good enough to, to be at that level. So to see people at their absolute level of ecstasy when they've achieved all they've wanted to achieve, it, it's a privilege and an honour to be there. And, and yesterday was another occasion where that was uh, in full effect. And you're going to see that with the um, wheelchair documentary that's out at 10 o'clock tomorrow night as we speak at this moment. Um, it's on BBC Four, so you can record it or watch it on the iPlayer, even if you're not around. But yeah, you know, I, I haven't seen it, but I've, I've seen one little extract from it. And just get the impression that it's, a, you know, it's in a series called Storyteller. 
because yeah, it's great that you follow the England rugby league wheelchair team through to the fact that their goal is to win a grand final. They're not going to win it because France are so good. They eventually win it. That's a great story, but it's about the people that are involved in it, what they've been through, how they've coped with it. How again, going back to the, the, the Royal visit, one of the people that, I spoke to was a 14-year-old LDRL player who initially said LDRL means everything to me um, and that's why I'm here. But I'm not the sort of kid that would ever get the chance to meet royalty. Those are the stories that you want to tell. Um, and, you know, if if we can do that through this podcast, through the magazine, um, through constantly banging on about the fact that's more important than, you know, whether a referee's made a mistake or not in a game, then... Um, that's what we need to do. And, and as you say, you know, Emma is the classic example of someone who is just so unbridled with joy that she makes no sense whatsoever. And But somebody had to be there to record that. Makes more sense than my questions, though. Um, is, is anything else happening apart from the awards from where you're at them? Uh, I, I hope you've got a leopard, uh, leopard skin suit. You're allowed to wear that. Really. If I wear a, a leopard's bow tie, it will be a North Leeds leopard's, clearly. But, Obviously, uh, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, look, looking forward to that because that's the first time again it's ever been inclusive. So it, it'll be interesting to see if it gets more traction with uh, men, women, wheelchair awards all alongside each other than perhaps it would have done if it had just been a, a stuffier men's presentation. Um, I, I think the great thing about things like that as well, and I wouldn't be surprised if some of it might be on Sky Sports News. I, I think Brian Carney is the compare, so I'd be very surprised if uh, if you don't see clips of that as the awards are announced. But it's great seeing rugby players dressed up. Um, you know, again, I, I, it, clearly they hate it, um, but actually it reflects really, really well on the sport when we can brush up and come together and, and as you say, celebrate their achievements. Um, we'll be celebrating more achievements next week because I don't think there's anything else to talk about this now. Apart from you've got to put a magazine together. You, you, yeah, at short notice after the grand final. So, uh, yep, all will be will be reflected in the the new issue. We go to print um, straight after the the wheelchair grand final, which is the last one uh, next weekend. But um, there's plenty of stuff in the current one. So if you haven't got it yet, there's still time. I think I'm obligated to say that with new sponsors, aren't I? <laughs> it's pink. And, uh, and thanks to your cat for providing a wonderful backdrop to this podcast. I'm yeah. glad to see he's, uh, he's comfortably asleep by your ear. <laughs> Hiding. If you're, not, if you're not watching, you won't see the cat in the background. But the other cat's somewhere, but I don't know where he's gone. Um, so that was that was this week in Rugby League. It all happened, and it will all happen again next week. I'm looking forward to the wheelchair final because it's in Bellevue. So hopefully I turn up at the right one. Um, fingers crossed. But uh, otherwise, we will. Uh, if you don't see us at Old Trafford on on Saturday, we will see you here next week. We'll, we'll be among the Catlav fans with the flares, <laughs> or, or if some Wigan fans have got some free pies, we'll be eating the free pies with the Wigan fans. Right, bonus for podcast listeners. Now, here's some interviews from after the women's grand finals yesterday. Something with Barrow's victory over Lee. In a moment, you hear from Coach Amanda Wilkinson. But first, here's the uh, victorious captain, Jody Litherland. Jodie, congratulations. Sum up the feeling after that one. Honestly, first of all, absolutely knackered. <laughs> Second of all, just can't wait to celebrate with the girls tonight. We've worked so hard for that. Two years, three years, four years since we came down to Raiders. And, yeah, like, what a long season. It looks well, 11 months. So, um, us old girls deserve it. We've been around a while now. And um, I know Lee were a great opposition today. And um, I'm sure their time will come with all their young lasses that they've got and the talent that they've got in there. But it's our time right now. 
tight first half, 2-0. You, you looked like you were, you, you were gesticulating to uh, the, the coaching or whatever. Should you take the two before half-time? Yeah, I couldn't see a face, so it's like, oh my God, should I? If I don't, I'm going to get told off, but... I just think in really tight games like that, like two points can be the difference. So at one point as well in the second half, we were talking to each other about thinking about taking one point. So yeah, really tight game and um, probably didn't show our true like ability to play until them last 20 minutes. And sometimes when your back's against a wall like that, um, you just got to find that. I don't even know where it comes from sometimes, that, that extra push and that extra gear and yeah, we just found it and we were able to get over the line in the end. So No, no panic when they scored those two tries in the second half? Uh, well, the second one definitely want to try. My player is absolutely 100% sure she ground it first. The uh, photographer behind the sticks has just showed us a picture of it, so that's rubbing salt into the womb a little bit. And um, Yeah, I think that, it, like I said, we shouldn't need a kick up the ass like that to come back and, and pull it out of the bag, but if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. I think the best thing about this season, there's been some big, big wins, and it's not brilliant for the game. Um, and then there's been some really, really tough games like that, and... Um, I'd rather win a game like that than, than beat a team 62 or whatever it is but yeah I think that um, we deserve that today on the back of it You've got to time to celebrate but then you've got to get ready for next season and some, some big games and some big teams are coming up to uh, Cumbria Yeah and I think that um, it's right that there's a Cumbrian team representing in the top division I think that's what the girls are doing it for today it's bigger than just ourselves like I've said there's a group of us who are coming to the end of our journey but it's about having them opportunities for the young kids coming through and having that ambition and goal to play in the Women's Super League up in Cumbria. Like, Lee, they can go and play for Wigan, Saints, and they've got people who play for those clubs coming back in, and uh, they've got the opportunity to do that here uh, in, in like Lancashire and Yorkshire, but it's, it's right that Cumbria has a team in there, and a team full of Cumbrians with a Cumbria coach, we couldn't be prouder of that, so, yeah. How, in, how important is Amanda to the team? Oh, she's, she's, she's coached grand final winning teams in with Wigan. What, what, what does she bring to Barrow? I think going back to your last question, if we um, two seasons ago we'd have bottled that today, we'd have gone a few points behind. Our reds would have gone down, but she's built and built and built momentum and belief in ourselves that whatever's up against us, we can we can face it. And like, oh, I'm forever grateful for her coming in and taking over. That's no kind of disrespect to anyone that's been because it's build, been a building block. We've built and built and built. And that's where we're at now, and we can't wait to go and compete in the in that top tier next year. So can't wait. How much are you going to enjoy the team song? Oh, a lot. We're getting that change rooms, and let's go and put Lee in the bin. Amanda, a win for Barrow, a win for Cumbria. Yeah, outstanding. A little bit speechless, speechless, really. You know, I've coached in some big games in my career, but this one felt different today when I got this morning. I think you know, there's nothing like coaching your hometown. Uh, and such a special bunch of girls I know I talk about it a lot they are talented players but good people make good teams and today I wanted it so much for them they put so much effort into it and you know it was a tight game and there was times where we were poor but when it counted they really come to and got us a win very tight 2 0 at half time there seems to be some uh, miscommunication whether she should go for the, uh, the golden card or not yeah I, the, the, you know, I'm a little bit sticking to what I like. I'm not a person that likes to go for two. I really am not. It's never an option. Uh, but for me, this time, I just joked with the girls and said, oh, I only, went, only told you to go for the two because I thought I'd get myself on camera going for the two. So we're just laughing about it. But, yeah, that's why, because they know that I want to just play. But I think it was the right choice. Went two tries behind in the second half, but didn't seem to be any panic in the team. I think there was a little bit, a little bit. I think it knocked them a little bit. I think they knew they had to dig deep and they had to find something. Probably some of them players out there will have gone to a place they've never been before. 
you know, we've got a lot of new players out there that play in the first ever season of rugby league. They're not rugby players, so to be in that situation to know they had to find something, they'll have gone to a really ugly place, but they did. They went to that place, and I think, you know, it was touch and go there for me watching on, and they did. And then as soon as they got that try, I knew there'd be another. Big teams coming up to Barrow next season. How are you going to make it uh, even more important than you have in Division 2? Uh, for me, I just think I'm, I'm really confident with what I've got. We've got some really young players, young, talented players, and we've got players coming through. So I'm quite, I'm quite confident in this Cumbrian team that we have. Uh, and for me, it's like, you know, yeah, you know, I might look at players, but no, let players come and look at us. Who wants to come and pull my Barra shirt? Because that's what we're about. You know, for me, these girls have wanted to play for Barra, wanted to put that Barra shirt on, and they're the players that we want. And for me, I think there's lots to build on. To get here in two years, the plan was to get to Super League in three years, and we've done it in two. So I think the future is very bright. Congratulations to Barrow, and congratulations as well to the York Valkyrie, who, having lifted the league leader's shield for the second successive year, won their first grand final, beating Leeds 16-6. Let's get some reaction from the players involved. You'll hear from Tara Jane Stanley, from Amy Staveley, from... Daisy Sanderson, Emma Kershaw and Rhiannon Marshall. The group of players and, and Lindsay and, and, and the assistants that have a, a stigma around not being able to compete in those big grand finals, well, we've washed that off the park, haven't we? So, uh, no, I'm absolutely made up. I'm made, for, made up for the club, I'm made up for the girls, I'm made up for the, the coaching staff who put so much work in and I'm made up for York because we had a fantastic turnout today. It was amazing. So you've ruined it for us all now, haven't you? Because now you've won a final. We've got to find something Yeah, you've got to find something else to talk, talk about now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can you go back to back and win uh, another grand final, the Challenge Cup? Uh, well, um, Rhiannon was mentioning you're going to win the treble next year anyway. Well, Rhiannon loves it, doesn't she? <laughs> she loves the ball. But no, it, it genuinely is about just building building the club. And um, I think as well, like the York Club, we want to go on, we want to win the grand finals, we want to go to, to Wembley, hopefully, win the Challenge Cup. But it's also about building that foundation and, and young girls who've got talent turning towards York and not just the big clubs like St. Ellen's Leeds and uh, just really understanding what we're trying to do at, at, at York and uh, hopefully it'll work. And this, I think it's the first team from York to win a major championship in this country and you're the team that's done it. It's just amazing. It's, I'm going to raise so many first. I'm going to raise so many like... And it's just, honestly, I've just been pinching Peachy on the side. Did she come up? Have you done that far? I went, did it hurt? She went, yeah. I went, good, it's real. Because I've dreamt about this moment. I've dreamt about it that much that when the hooter went off, me and Peachy ran at each other and they scored. <laughs> that much we dreamt about it. But no, I'm absolutely made up. And, and it's still really hasn't hit me. Like, it's just it's just crazy. So no one's won one of still back-to-back. I, 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 do you want to be a first on that? Are, are you going to let your mate win it? Peachy is amazing. She is. She's a true captain. Um, and in all honesty, it, it, the, the individual honours are great, but it were a very lonely place last year to win it, uh, to win Woman of Steel, because obviously we lost. But uh, now nah, Peachy deserves it; she can have it. How long is the celebrations going to last? Not very long for me. I've got work in the morning. <laughs> Amy, um, an interesting twelve months for you. I know, yeah, and um, what a great twelve months it's been. I've really, really loved being at your and. I love all the girls that work so hard. They're just absolute machines, and I just I love them all so much. You came in as part of, as an outsider to this club that have been to so many finals. What was it the difference today that you've seen in this team that that you may have brought to them? I don't. Know. I think this team is just so so agile, and they've got strength in depth all over the park, and 
they really are just a force, They're such a force, and the work that goes in and in, in training and just getting everything right and like you know correcting even just them one percenters and they do it all without any fuss. Amazing. They were setting the build up a lot about the mentality perhaps of York in finals, but you never really looked rattled this afternoon. No, I think we just, one of the targets was to stay composed, and we have so much confidence in our ability, and we just needed to keep it going, keep it going, and keep it going, and, and that's just what we did. And sometimes, you know, we can seem to let it slide a bit, but today we just hammer, 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 and then it came off. Congratulations. Thank you very much. What does it mean to a player who's been at York for so long and when times weren't quite as good as they are today? Oh, do you know what? I've always enjoyed playing at York, no matter what, uh, winning or losing. But today to see all the fans and the crowd getting behind the girls and, and the set-up of girls we have now and the great coaches we have and the chairman, the sponsors, like it's incredible to see how much the game has grown. Especially for York, we're such a small city and we don't, didn't necessarily always get what we needed to grow as a club. And now we have it and we've just, <laughs> we just won a grand final for it. I ask, that's incredible. Uh, I'm, I'm extremely proud, especially I'm York born and bred. So it's brilliant to have a, a grand final at home. Because the men obviously never won the grand final or the championship in the olden days. Not yet. The football team have never won the Premier League and probably, you know. But you're the. You're the first, you're yeah. the team for York. Yeah, we're the team, so it's nice to see that York has got behind us. You can see by the attendance today. I know some were leads as well, but even just the Yorkshire community, I think it's been brilliant because everyone's got together and we're all proud of each other. And we're proud of Leeds this season as well. Like The game is just growing and that's what we love to see. What's next? Oh, well, I mean, I, I think we've still got the nines next year. Uh, we'll hopefully get to Wembley. We want to go to Wembley as well because that would be immense. Um the final may take place in Manchester as well, Old Trafford. That, that would be a brilliant platform as well. Uh, I've, personally, I've enjoyed having it here in York, um, which has been brilliant for me. But, yeah, just next steps is, is winning more trophies, more titles. How long do your celebrations last? Have you got work tomorrow or anything important? Oh, I've got work tomorrow, yeah. I'm, I'm on the open, but uh, do you know what? I'll be celebrating tonight with the girls. Uh, we'll still enjoy it, and tomorrow I'm sure I'll get a round of applause at work as well. So, yeah. Well, I started crying for, <laughs> from the moment we won. When, oh, we even let like, the last try, I think we won, because we were just all shocked. They're just amazed and just... Oh, I, I can't get words out because I'm that happy at the minute. <laughs> Surely the coach isn't going to be happy with that defence oh, in the last minute. Yeah, definitely. It's just the, uh, the last bit at the end where we didn't, when we didn't react to the try that <laughs> the Polymithium were... <laughs> no, it's your birthday week. Not a bad way to start it, is it? Two days, two days. Um, yeah, no, definitely not. And now I'm going to spend the rest of the day with the girls, just living through what we've just done. <laughs> Do you think you'll ever calm down? Nah. <laughs> How big a part is it going to be tonight? Oh, I think it's going to be a, um, a long one. Let's put it that way, everyone's everyone's bearing. To be fair, we didn't really plan much, because obviously we didn't know which way the game was going to go, but we have said if we, if we win, then we're going we're gonna to go out and have a good drink, yeah. How important was it to York? You've been in so many finals in recent years, or semi-finals. How important was it to win this big, big game? Uh, real important, and we had one goal, and we stuck to that, and, and it's paid off for us. You know, we've been guilty for other years of coming, coming out here, starting, starting a process, and not sticking to it. So, I think it's finally clicked for us, and, and it just feels awesome. Like we're just, we're just chuffed to bits.
coming off the bench as you did this afternoon. Uh, do you feel that was a? It wasn't a bad tactic, was it? Just rough them up a bit. <laughs> no, I mean that, that's everyone knows. I, that, that's my game. I like to get in there a bit rough and rough and ready. So um, and proper give it to him. Like I, li- I like to play nice and fast and things like that. So that's what that we we utilise my ability and and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And it's worked today. I feel like special group of players here obviously winning the grand final for the first time what happens next to you um doing the treble we've won league we've won grand final we missed out on Wembley this year you know next year's a new year we start fresh and we, 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 we rebuild and we go again so hopefully you know we'll win treble next year and how important has Lindsay Anfield been to, to York and to yourself we we put our we this year we've put our blood sweat tears mainly for Lindsay because she's done so much for us and we wouldn't be where we are without her, and, and I personally played for her and, and and the fans, and you know I just I just left everything out there for for Lindsay. Speaking of fans, they were quite loud this afternoon. I know there were parts of parts of it. I couldn't even hear him. I couldn't hear real calls because the fans were that loud. But it's it's ace, isn't it? To think back from when I first started, we didn't even have we were playing on a pitch on a backfield like, and then now look at it. It's, it's great. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.